Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on a beautiful Monday with the ultra-talented Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Sean. How are you? Good. Did you did you go to Garth Saturday by any chance? I did not, no. Yeah, you're No. Is it mostly like you're like not a country fan like like me? Like <laughs> not really a country fan and I'm yeah. not a concert fan either. Okay. Uh, I have as you know from the typing, I have um very sensitive to sounds. Oh. So uh yeah. So concerts usually uh I could deal with it when I was younger, but now it's like, right. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mr. Driscoll is, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not, I guess as ultra sensitive mm-hmm. <laughs> as you are, but there it's, you know, it's like when I'm at home, mm-hmm. for example, you know, like I, I do most of my work, you know, I come to the studio, do the show, but I do most of my prep work and all that stuff at home. And I've become, you know, so accustomed to, to doing that now it's, there's obviously a, a certain noise level, and then when my wife is in the house just doing <laughs> simple things, and I'm trying to do any work, it's like I can't, I can't concentrate yeah. now. Yeah. My <laughs> wife know? bought me these really cool Bose headphones that I oh, wear nice. whenever she's doing Very something nice. above me because I can't like mul- multiple sounds at once will drive me nuts. Yeah, exactly. So if she's watching TV upstairs and I'm trying to work. It's yeah. So, but those things are a lifesaver. Yeah, they're great at drowning out sound. But I know that's not what. Uh, what you wanted to talk to me about today. <laughs> no, no. Somehow, but I appreciate the concern and care. Somehow, yeah, I guess it started with the Garth concert. That's right. Well, you know, Notre Dame, uh, same day as the Garth concert, got a, another commitment over the weekend, and I, we'll talk more in-depth recruiting tomorrow with Ryan uh, Roberts uh, from irishbreakdown.com. But uh, just some of your initial thoughts on this, uh, you know, just another – Highly touted, defense, you know, talented defensive uh, lineman that, that the Irish add to this class. It really is impressive what they're doing on the defensive line, and it's so important as well. But you talk about Devin Houston being the fourth defensive lineman to choose the school, ranked number 192 overall. He's by far the lowest ranked defensive lineman of the four, which speaks volumes to how good it is that a kid that's in the top 200 is no your kidding. fourth highest ranked defensive lineman in the class. You know, the thing that makes it important, though, Sean, is it's not just that it's another defensive lineman, right? Like, you can get four defensive linemen, but if they all only play two positions, then you're you're, you're not having the impact that, that, you know, you need to have. What I like about this group so far is that they can play together. And the one thing the class was missing was a guy that, you know, there are guys that can maybe play nose, but Devin Houston in the Notre Dame defense really fits at nose. He can play three technique as well. He's an athletic kid. Plays actually on the edge in high school, but he's 6'5", he's 275. He's 275 mainly because he plays basketball, which runs in his family's DNA. Yeah. And once he stops playing basketball, he's going to put on 15, 20 pounds easy. He's really disruptive. He fits really well into what Notre Dame wants at that nose guard position. So it not only do they add a really talented player, but they fill a big need, in my opinion, in this class by getting a, a really talented 
disruptive, thick, strong, potential nose guard target prospect. I don't think you and I have talked about Dante Moore for a while. Um, it's been a minute. The, the quarterback from Michigan. Um, it's it, it pretty much seems like Notre Dame and LSU are the front runners in this thing. Um, my question to you, and you know, I'll just set this on a tee for you and you can go wherever you want with it. What does it say to you that Brian Kelly could never get this kind of quarterback here at, you know, when he was at Notre Dame and now he hasn't coached, you know, one down at LSU and he just really seems to be pulling out all the stops to try to get Dante Moore down there? Well, I think what's helped him at LSU is the fact that he was actually one of the few recruits that Brian Kelly actually tried to develop a relationship while he was at Notre Dame. Okay. So it's really continuing a relationship that started when he was at Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame began – they offered Dante Moore last March, March of 2021, and he was the guy that they pretty soon afterwards decided that's our guy, right, in a really loaded quarterback class. That's our, our guy. And, you know, Coach Kelly had met him and been around him, and so he'd been able to kind of, you know, get involved in it to a degree then – and, you know, obviously he was able to continue that. So, you know, I, I don't know if it says anything other than than that and the fact that LSU is, you know, from reports and different things that we've heard from different sources is, you know, they're 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 trying to th- you know put together some NIL type of stuff Correct. for Dante that I think has certainly made it attractive. I think that's also why he's he's considering Oregon right now is another school that he's looking at. So I think that's really more of what it's about than anything else. And, and of course, he's got a, a friend of his, Carnell Tate, is looking hard at LSU, which that's the even crazier one because Carnell Tate had some pretty negative things to say about Brian Kelly hmm. in an interview with Lucky Lefty Podcast, Malik Zaire and, and Sean Davis, and then now he's looking at LSU. But, again, if you know what, what Carnell Tate's kind of looking for, it it starts to make a little bit of sense. Interesting. But I think that's the, I think that's the factor behind it. You know, and the, let's not forget, LSU just had Joe Burrow two years ago. So you can say, you know, sure. staff and all that, but but that's because we're adults and, you know, we've been doing this a long time. We've been doing this longer than Dante Moore's been alive, right? I mean, if you're a, <laughs> if you're a 17-year-old kid and, and you meet Joe Burrow when you're on your visit, you're like, whoa, you know, uh, it's going to have an impact. What do you think about, you know, you were talking about NIL, and obviously this is a factor in all of this, you know, especially where LSU and Oregon – or concern the NCAA now they're coming out they're they're going to crack down on you know the schools that have used it as a recruiting tool what, what, what do you think of all this right now I'm still in believe it when I see it mode it's fine yeah. to put out a statement saying hey we're going to do this but you know as Gene Smith said and was quoted in a Sports Illustrated article you know now the enforcement has to enforce and that's always been the issue I mean I mean the reality is all they're doing is adding more guidance to what already existed I mean the, the people talk about the transfer por, transfer portal, and it's really a, a pushback against the transfer portal and the enticements that they're doing with high school kids. It's meant to to kind of stem that tide a little bit. But the reality is, is, there's already rules against tampering already on the books when it comes to the that they're not portal. enforcing. Yeah, exactly. And you know, so what I would like to see them do is you can you can do guidelines, but here's if you want to do something about it. This is what they need to do, right? Number one is you need to lay out not what the rules are, because schools don't care about rules. All, all the rules are basically is like, okay, here's what the rule is, so how do we work around it? Mm-hmm. What you need to do is you need to lay out a penalty phase for this. Here's what happens, right? And I've talked about this you know, in an article I did recently talking about how if the NCAA was serious about fixing the transfer portal issues, when from a tampering standpoint, they would come out with, you know, 
you get caught violating this at all, if the, you know, in the, I would load, I would make the bar for lowering this, you know, proving this low. There's a financial fine, which you know schools never like paying, you know, losing money. There's a loss of scholarships, and you can't bring in a transfer portal kid for the next number of years. Kind of like the Major League Baseball, you know, international signing situation. You know, say, look, if you get caught tampering with a recruit that's not in the portal, you uh, lose access to being able to add transfers for three years. And then see what happens. Yeah, then no see kidding. how, you know, it'll still happen, but it's going to, because here's the deal, Sean, it's, there's always going to be rule breakers. But what you're trying to do is eliminate as many of them as possible and make them have to jump through as many hurdles as possible, which increases the odds that A, they choose not to go after as many kids, or B, they make a mistake and you catch them and, and you deal with it. But if the penalties aren't harsh, then it won't matter. If it's just like a little slap on the wrist and it's a – like how many times have you seen a school get on put on probation? Like, okay, so what's actually happening? Well, nothing. They're just on probation. Okay, right. what does that mean? Nothing. They're just on probation. Like, okay, well, then they're fine. They're not worried about it. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. And that's what's going to happen. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. So you hit a lot of different stuff there. That The transfer do, – do you think with the portal, do they, do they need to – to limit it, because I've, th- it's, I've seen this floated out there. I think the Coaches Association is, is going to propose this, like limit it to a couple of windows during the season rather than keeping it open throughout the year like they're currently doing. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. Actually, you know, part of the proposal that I had last week, it, it, you know, sort of what I think they need to do, and, and I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different things that they need to do, but one of them was you're creating windows, right? And it's, you know, one is shortly after the season where you a kid can't jump in the transfer portal, you know, during the season. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't happen, right? So, like, one is right after the season, and it leads up until the second semester starts because these kids need to be finding homes before school starts so they're not missing out on classes. And then the other one is, you know, don't close it on May 1st, open it on May 1st. So once these kids have gone through the spring, they kind of know where things stand. You know, because some of these kids like Notre Dame, they're getting out of the port. They're getting out of spring on April 23rd. and They got eight days to make a decision whether they're jumping the portal or not. You know, like, no, no, don't open it during the semester, close it and then open it on May 1st and leave it open for the month of May. So a lot of schools are out by May or, you know, you have time to finish your semester and then maybe take some visits in May. So yes, they need to they need to create, in my opinion, two windows that you can jump in or not, and then you can jump in during that window, and you can find a school during that window. But outside of that, you're you're playing with the team you have, and and if you transfer outside of those windows, that's fine, but you have to sit out a year because I think that's the biggest thing that needs to come back is the biggest deterrent to kids transferring, especially for nefarious reasons, is to bring back sitting out a year. Now there need to be some changes with that. But you bring that back, then Jordan Addison's not going to USC. Right. He's not going to sit out a year, right? Um, with the exception of players that graduate, I believe they need to go back, or, or kids that are in legitimate dire situations, you know, a sick mother that can be, you know, proven. Now, I, I think these young men need to, to – we need to go back to this, the sit-out rule, in my opinion, with the, unless you're a graduate. Yeah, I mean, they're they're just the bottom line is the NCAA wants to wants to talk about you know punishment and sanction, all these different things, but there just needs to just be more consistency with everything across the board. And like you said, there there has to be some consequences for for some of these right. actions if anything is ever. And they have to be harsh. Yeah, That's the thing is some money, real consequences. Yeah, right. Money, scholarships, like you know, like a 
or suspend a coach for a game, you know, or, or games. Or, or, well, more than that, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, maybe make it to where like the, the but see the prop, the, the head coach, right? I, I like that because then the head coach has got to, there's got to be some accountability there, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, first offense, you're suspended for three games. And when you're suspended, you can't be with the team at all. Yeah. Right. And, and then, you know, second offense, you're out for six games and third offense, you're out for an entire year. Something like that. I mean, some kind of, you know, just kind of throwing it out there. But yeah, I, I never really thought about that, but. I think the best way to do it, Sean, take scholarships away and don't let them get transfers in the future. Because you're going to really think hard about, you know, the because the, it's like with anything. It's like the, the, the harsher the penalties, then I'm going to be real selective and targeted with who I go after. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's going to have to be, you know, real careful, because if you get caught, you're, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And I think until the NCAA is willing to do that, like make these penalties harsh then nothing's going to change. Because if it's just a little slap on the wrist and the words probation or, or after, then you you know, get a show cause that actually has no teeth. <laughs> right. Then what's the reason? Why, why should we stop? You're not going to do anything to us. Right. Right? So we're going to keep doing it. You mentioned that Gene Smith in that article, I think it was in that article, where he said that college football should just be run by the college football playoff separate from the NCAA. What did you think about that? It, it it would it makes me nervous. I, I used to be five years ago. I'd have said he's in he's a knucklehead, and there's no way that should happen. And he's talking out of his you know what. And uh, but now it's it's gotten so go- so bad that it's like you almost like almost need a commissioner, right, of college football. Mm-hmm. You almost need somebody that has some that's been given authority by the institutions to do you know what what needs to be done, right? And I'm getting to the point where I, I almost think that needs to happen because look, college football is kind of removed from Title IX stuff anyway. Right, because there is no females, there's no there's women's no, sport yeah. that's like football, so it's it's got some differences to it, and you know, and it's not really under the same umbrella, whatever the case may be. So I would still like it to be part of the NCAA in regards to the certain rules and aspects like that, but I, I think other aspects do you know do need to be looked at differently, and you know, perhaps having someone who is more in, over, you know, maybe it's not separating from the NCAA, but maybe put a commissioner ahead. You know, at at the front of it, that can maybe, you know, have some power and authority and that kind of thing. Maybe that's the way to go, but you just can't keep doing what you're doing because it's clearly not working. Nor do they necessarily care that it's not working. <laughs> They're only doing this now because they've been shamed in the last couple of weeks. Because oh, absolutely, it's getting so absurd. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. Hey, I wanted to ask you. There's some kind of stuff floating around about Jarrett Patterson, who of course was out for the spring with the pectoral injury center possibly moving to guard what, what do you know about all that and what do you think well I don't I, from what we understand it's not something that's necessarily done deal yet we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the Irish Breakdown podcast and it's one of those things where you know you got to really think when he comes back what are you going to do because Zeke Carell had a f- tremendous spring and you're sitting there as a staff you say okay do we do we just move Zeke out to guard where he struggled last year keep him at center where he played really well in 2020 and played well in the spring maybe he's more comfortable there do we do move Jarrett Patterson what does that do to not having your captain as the center what does that do to his draft stock does it improve it does it not help it it's all about getting your your best five-man combination and it's not your best five because it's it's the five has to play well together mm-hmm. and it's like okay Zeke Carell has clearly been one of our five best linemen but is there a way we can make this alignment work to where he can be in the lineup and be as effective as he was this spring? And I think centers where he clearly seems to be most comfortable and, you know, perhaps moving Jarrett Patterson to guard would, would allow him to, to thrive at a second position. 
there's obviously some concerns about it because you know Jared Patterson's the leader and he's the communicator and all that stuff and you know but I, it's it's definitely something from what we understand it's under strong consideration moving when he gets back very interesting and that obviously yeah. has a ripple effect on some of these other guys you know whether right. it's Christophic or Lug or you know even right. the guys behind them so right very interesting it'll be interesting yep all right Brian Driscoll IrishBreakdown.com what else is going on there right now Lots of recruiting. Obviously, preseason polls are starting to come out. So we had something on Sporting News. Had Notre Dame seventh, which I found interesting because they were uh, they were behind Michigan, which I found interesting. And, and Clemson, obviously, getting their their preseason love. And I'm going to start really working on our preseason stuff here moving forward, Sean. It's kind of that time of the year where we're going to start position profiles and player profiles and breakout players and all that kind of stuff. So really going to ramp up. We've been focusing a lot on recruiting here in the next week. We're going to really start ramping up our uh, coverage of the of the team as we get in anticipation of of this season and this team heating up all right sounds great thanks as always brian enjoy the silence or hopefully you get some silence <laughs> that you can enjoy <laughs> i will do my best all right take care thanks for having me on uh-huh brian driscoll from irishbreakdown.com with us every monday at 5 30 we'll take a time out we come back the nfl announced it's a uh, monday night football doubleheader they didn't have a doubleheader this past season This year, they're going to have it in week two of the NFL season. Tell you all about that coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 